Welcome, everyone, to a special bonus episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This special con- cut content episode is uh, featuring Senate SK. Uh, you probably know who he is. He's been revealing quite a bit of Bloodborne's cut content uh, on his YouTube channel, and uh, you should definitely go check that out and watch all of that stuff. Um, my good friend Sinclair from episode 105 um, said that, hey, I talked to I did a little podcast with uh, Senate SK and he expressed interest in being on the show. You should get him on. So I did. And I didn't really want to wait to release the episode since everyone's kind of hype about this Bloodborne cut content right now. So you're getting it as a special bonus on the weekend. If you're listening to this later, though, you can just totally ignore that and enjoy the episode. How long have you been on YouTube doing doing Souls content now? Like, it's been a couple of years? I actually, like, you might be surprised. Actually, like, before I started uploading, like, Dark Souls, I actually uploaded Call of Duty videos. <laughs> you, you were going into the lore of Call of Duty or uh, cut content or what? No, no, just, like, gameplay. And just normal, gameplay like, videos? Like, yeah, normal, yeah, figured, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, live and, uh, like, random tutorials and stuff like that. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I began, basically. It's funny, um... I think that most people would be like, oh my God, I can't believe Call of Duty videos or whatever. But like those games are fun. Like they, they kind of inspire the kind of uh, clips, so to speak, that you, like, you would want to put on a YouTube channel, right? Like, oh my God, I did this cool thing in Call of Duty or I did this cool thing and uh, whatever. Yeah. And so I want to put this up so people can see it. Exactly. I like, I think, my, I don't know, like I think a major problem, I don't know, I see like kind of in the Dark Souls community is like, uh, some people are just like if you play any game other than Dark Souls, then you're like uh, you're like a super bad person or something. I don't know. Like it's just like Souls for them. Like okay, I love Dark Souls, but I also love playing other games. So like uh, <laughs> like, I, like I like I've been gaming like uh, my entire life basically. So I played all kinds of games, like not just Dark Souls. So when like I mention like other games or stuff like that, like people are like, no, you're a Dark Souls channel. Just shut up. <laughs> It's it's weird. Me and my friend uh, Gary Butterfield from the Bonfire Side Chat podcast were talking about this the other day. We we do a podcast about X Men together, and uh, we just kind of got as part of the podcast about X Men. We started talking about Dark Souls because that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> but we, we were talking about the cottage industry that sprung up, at, you know, around twenty eleven, twenty twelve, around Dark Souls. That was just even even incredibly bigger than the dark, the demon souls community that had sprung up at before oh. that. And, uh, it's, it's funny that a lot of, I say a lot of I say some, uh, content creators just can't figure out how to pivot away from dark souls. And it feels like a lot of people are just like, okay, I'm here. I'm a souls channel. That's literally all I can ever do. So I'm just going to keep pumping out these, these souls videos, no matter what, and they haven't figured out how to like take their audience to another game. And I'm curious if that's like, I don't feel like that's the content creators themselves. I feel like that's almost their audience. Like, I feel like if you put yeah, up a, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's hard. It's harder to say than doing it really. Because as I said, like the, like people just like, uh, like most of the people, like, uh, like my subscribers personally, like a lot of them are just subscribed for dark souls, like literally. So, like, if I upload anything else other than Dark Souls, they just don't watch the videos or just put comments like, uh, go back to Dark Souls. <laughs> like, it, like, it discourages us. Basically, if we, like, do something else, it kind of discourages us in a way. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the issue, yeah. That seems so crazy to me because Lately, it, it's, yeah. like, if you like, like, most of this most of the content quote unquote that I, that I listen to is almost a hundred percent personality driven. In other words, I like a person 
and I would hear that person talk about anything because I like that person. Like, it's not oh. like I, I want to, I only want to listen to this person talk about, uh, you know, window dressings. So, but at the moment they start talking about doors, I'm out. <laughs> like that seems so yeah, ridiculous exactly. to me. Yeah, you listen because like, you like listening to that person, like uh, whatever, like that person talks about basically. Exactly. Yeah. I can't believe you actually get uh, like a lot of negative comments to that effect of, uh, you know, Oh, I, I'm, I'm done with you. If you don't go back to bloodborne or if you don't keep doing what, what I expect you to do or anything like that, that happens quite like, a bit. Uh, like uh, there was one video, like I think uh, I uploaded it a year back. There was like in Call of Duty. Um, I don't know if you play zombies or not. Mm-mm. The game mode. So there was like uh, like the game Black Ops Two. It came out like five years ago or six years ago, and I found an unused weapon that like nobody ever like saw from the past six years, and it was just like basically laying there. I don't know like how people missed it basically. So like I uploaded a video about it and stuff, and I was like, like it was like let's say I didn't stray away from the format a lot because like it's cut content, it's still like unused content. Like sure. I didn't, but it was it was for a different game, and like. Uh, I got, like, some people from the Call of Duty community to like it, but then, like, some of the comments, like, from the, like, my fans, they were like, like, you're already playing Call of Duty, or uh, you're just uh, not going to upload Dark Souls anymore, and stuff like that, so I was like, come on, guys, it was just one video, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane, like, I I just, the the negative feedback from something like that, uh, because I'm I'm very much in the habit of, in, in my personal life, like, oh, here's something that somebody uploaded that I don't care about, like... If I if I was like actively like seeking out your videos, right? Like if I was like, oh man, there's some new there's some there's a new Santa Desk video, and I saw it was Call of Duty, I'd be like, oh okay, well I don't really care about that, and I would skip over it. I wouldn't like go through the trouble of watching it and then leaving a comment. Like that seems like how much uh, yeah. time do you have, right? Like how much <laughs> yeah, time exactly. do you have in yeah. your life that you can do that? <laughs> Like and uh, even like I thought of uh, uploading like even if I upload another video, it's like like people who are interested, let's say in let's say Call of Duty cut content will watch that video. But no, like the Dark Souls people are watching it just to put comments on them. So <laughs> <laughs> like they don't even watch the video. The Dark Souls community is is like the worst and the best, right? <laughs> like we're we're some of the best people in the world, and also some of the yeah, absolute exactly, worst yeah. people. <laughs> I'm curious, uh, like how did you get started? with the cut content game like how did you start like kind of picking away those pieces i don't i don't and if you've talked about that on your on your videos before forgive me but i kind of want to give everybody an idea of like how you started that and like how you kind of came to do the channel and, and all of this stuff i want to get the history of that we're, we're going to get into the actual games here in a bit but i'm kind of curious like just how you got started with that like what was the drive to do something like that um well actually like when i was like i think 10 years old or something like uh, there was a game called uh, sonic adventure dx and uh, i was actually super interested in like modding that game that like i was in forums and stuff like that to like changing models inside the files and stuff like that so like i was already let's say before i even got into dark souls i was already interested in like modding stuff and uh like just getting into the files and just digging through them basically so um like in dark souls 2 um like I was super interested in the unused content. Like I saw the like a lot of channels were uploading some uh, unused content of uh, like Dark Souls One, the bosses, and there was some Dark Souls Two. But uh, like uh, there was a time when basically nobody, like everybody, stopped uploading about the cut content. So like I just like started very slow. Like I downloaded like Cheat Engine, started like um, like messing around with stuff, like simple stuff basically. Like the first thing that I I always try like just. Uh, making myself have uh, 999 souls basically that i think everyone <laughs> who gets shit engine or trainers that, like tries first 
And um, like I saw some people uploading uh, like or putting on the uh, like forums about um, changing magics and cha- changing weapons and stuff. And like when I began at the first, like I was like a complete idiot about it, really. Like uh, like the first video I uploaded was actually um, like uh, I thought they were unused uh, like unused sorceries and stuff. But when it turns out they were actually the uh, like the uh, let's say, the bullets that the enemy uses, like, all of the bosses and the enemies uses. So, like, uh, got a little crazy about that video, but it was my mistake, really. Like, I just didn't... I didn't know how that system worked, basically, in Dark Souls at the start. Sure. Did you get like, um, Did you get negative feedback from the community about that? Or were you just kind of just putting this I'm out there? And... Negative feedback about it, like, until now. Like, that video was four years old, basically. <laughs> I'm still getting... Like, people are God. still telling... Like people about it right now. Like with like when I put a video, like some people in the comments are just like Senator K uploaded a video of like uh, unused sorcerers and then they were unused bullets. I'm like, come on, that was four years old. Like uh, I, learned, I, learned, I learned like quite a lot from that time. Like um, like when I began specifically in Dark Souls Two, um, like I still, do, as I said, I didn't know like how the files format works or anything. So I asked like for assistance from uh, a lot of the. Um, like, uh, the other modders and stuff, and, like, slowly, like, with the release of Bloodborne, I got more time to work on Dark Souls 2, and then Dark Souls 3 came out, and I think, like, the changing point for me, basically, where, like, uh, I started, like, like, digging stuff myself and stuff like that, wasn't Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3 was released, that was basically the changing point for me, yeah. And uh, the good thing, like, when Bloodborne files, like, when I got the Bloodborne files, I already knew the general idea about the file format, so it was really easy for me to just... Uh, like, the only barrier that was there, it's because it's PlayStation 4 files, so they had, like, special compression and stuff that needed to be bypassed, but the, like, general file formats, they're very similar to other Souls games, so it wasn't very hard to actually dig through them. So I'm, I'm guessing when you say, like, you got started with Dark Souls 3, that's the PC edition, because that obviously probably would be the easiest version to mod like and so you were able to take the the knowledge that you got from dark souls 3 and take that after you decompress this weird ps4 system on, from bloodborne like and you were able to apply that to the same thing like from software is relatively consistent about how they format these things from game yeah, to game yeah from actually from demon souls like demon souls dark souls 1 dark souls 2 dark souls 3 and bloodborne they all share like the like the same file formatting they like it's it's the same engine so it's all of it like uh, as I said, like sometimes it's just different compression and stuff, but the general idea of like how everything is sorted in the folders and files, it's like all of the same. It's just like very minor differences. Like they can make a, like a huge difference, but the like the general idea is the same in all of them. Like they use the same engine, so it's uh, it's very similar. So if you know your way like around one of the games, you can like get by from the like files of the other games. And when it comes to like you mentioned, like getting the Bloodborne files. I'm curious because obviously on the on the PC, you know, you're downloading Dark Souls three from Steam or, or what have you, and you have all of the files locally on your hard drive. Like, are you are you ripping those for directly from a PS4 disc? Like, I know we've we've gotten kind of advanced lately with um, hacking or uh, developing custom firmware and things like that for the PS4. Like, are you utilizing that stuff? Or are you doing all of your work on a PC? Uh, no, like uh, specifically, like the last three months, uh, the, it was like a huge like revolution in terms of the like as you said, the PlayStation Four uh, like installing custom firmwares and stuff like that. But I actually got um, like I think it was at the end of uh, like at the beginning of December, I um, I saw someone on one of the like modding forums. He has been putting out the models of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. 
he's called uh, ID Damon. So I contacted him and I told him, like, I do cut content and stuff, so can you share the files with me? And he was, like, kind enough to share the files with me. And he he was also, like, a developer, so he already developed tools on how like to, like... Uh, like uh, get by the PS4 compression and convert the models to be seen and all of the stuff. So it was like, um, um, it was just, as I said, like just re-understanding the minor differences between the files, like between Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3. And um, that basically did it. That's fascinating to me because not only are you, you have someone that is writing custom software to be able to, you know, interact with this material, but also sharing that basically with, a stranger right like oh hey there's this other dude exactly, on the internet yeah. that wants to do this like I sh- I sh- he's asking me for my content where it feels like especially in, within the souls youtube community like it's almost like a first come first serve thing like everybody wants to be first 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 to have that out there yeah, so. exactly yeah because there's very little amount of channels so you can say like uh it's kind of a if they take it as a competition it's basically as you said first come like first serve <laughs> yeah it's it's weird and, and to have somebody in that community like that gives me heart Right, like to to know that, like, oh no, I'm just doing this because it's fun and because I want to learn about the game, not because I want to have a million followers on YouTube or I, I don't want to like you know make a million dollars doing this this or that and the other. I just really want to share this with everybody that can possibly be there, which I think is interesting. Like that's also, that's fascinating. Yeah and, uh, yeah, and also like another thing, like uh, when I was talking with ID Damon, and there was another guy called Luxus who also like helped me. Like he was like they were both like ID Damon Luxus. They were like together on the like sharing files. Uh, like I think they both got the files like from each other or something. So I was in contact with both of them. Uh, but uh, like they were talking about the uh, because some people, especially with the codes of the game, some people like if they like know the inner codes of the game, they could use it for like very bad and malicious reasons. Like specifically, uh, like by using the save editor and creating modded stuff like that. So um, like we're doing it basically for science, like like for my channel personally, uh, like showing the cut content and stuff. Like I don't use it to mod the game to like hurt other players or uh, like ruin, let's say, saves and stuff like that. Like I just do it for science basically and showcasing it to the world. So that kind of also, uh, let's say, uh, you can say gave a good impression that I'm not basically using them for bad reasons. It was if it was someone else like using it for modding the game and like destroying other people's saves and stuff. Like there were a lot of people like this in Dark Souls Three. Like they make you pick an item, like pick up an a modded item, and basically corrupts your save, which was like really bad. And there are a lot of like these things, especially on PC, because it's a lot easier. So like someone can just download a table and like change just a, a specific number in an item and just drop it. And when someone picks it up, it just corrupts their save, which is like very bad. See, I remember this from Dark Souls 1 because when Dark Souls 1 came out for PC and it started becoming pretty common to use Cheat Engine, like you couldn't you couldn't go online in Dark Souls 1 without being, you know, hit by the four king sword and transported to the abyss and died and all of your stuff breaks and also you're cursed. And like, exactly. it, was, it was, it was, it was pretty, <laughs> everything. yeah, it was a miserable experience. And, uh, like specifically for dark souls, like, uh, like the experience is the, basically the, like the amazing thing about dark souls. So ruining that for other players is like the worst thing you can do to someone who got uh, recently got into the game. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it, I, I hear a lot of people complain about, uh, when it comes to Dark Souls 1 and their first encounters with PvP and being like, you know, invaded in the Berg by a Soul Level 1 person. And I, oh my god, I, I got invaded and I just I just wanted to shut the game off. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's part of the game. 
Like that's that's like using the mechanics that are built into the game to troll other players or to grief other players or what have you, versus something like I'm going to invade you and then use the uh, the thing that I saw in the 360 a lot was the uh, Karmic Justice Blast, like that purple Wrath of God thing that would just instantly kill players <laughs> in a ridiculous way. I don't know if you if you ever <laughs> saw any of that stuff, but it was ridiculous. Like you would invade somebody and they would just be like blast using something that would do like a Karmic Justice purple Wrath of God kind of blast and it would kill everybody instantly, which is miserable. Like that's, that's no fun for anybody. Like it doesn't even give you the opportunity to win where versus something like built into the game to give you the opportunity to learn which I feel like is what the soul level one invaders in the bird did, which is like, Oh, Hey, you probably shouldn't be human here. <laughs> like you should, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and there's a risk associated with that. Like that's, there was a lesson there as opposed to just a, a cheaty McCheat cheat kind of, kind of lesson. You, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, like, uh, like, dark, uh, like as you play, like all of the dark souls, like, yes, the PVE, like is, uh, is like very good and you can play it many times, but like, uh, in the end you can say you can kind of get bored of the PVE. So that's where the PVP come in. So if like we're finished with the PVE and then the PVP is all hacked and cheating and stuff, like there's nothing left of the game. Exactly. Yeah. It's miserable too. Like I, I just, I, I, I feel I wish there was a better method for controlling this stuff. Like I realized like a lot of stuff is, you know, there's local files and, you know, it's really difficult to contain cheating and things, but it's, especially when it comes to online, like I've seen, um, I believe it's, uh, Zuli the witch that's doing a lot of the, the, um, chalice dungeon stuff, right? Like, and, oh. and like learn and like, and actually like going out of their way to say, Oh, well, like I'm not going to post this glyph because if I post this glyph, people will get in there and won't be able to get out. Like it'll corrupt. It'll, it'll do something bad. So I'm going to prevent, I'm not going to put this out. on. The Actually, internet. like we had, the, yeah. Like when we, like me and Zuli, when we were working on the challenge mm-hmm. dungeons, like, uh, we were both like when collaborating on them, like, uh, when working, uh, on how to get uh, on the dungeons and stuff. Like we actually, like when, like we discovered, let's say the great one beast and the moon presence, we basically had the glyphs for like two weeks and we didn't share them with anyone until we like 100% check that we can actually because like if someone gets the glyph they can uh, like use the short uh, chalice dungeon and they can lure players into them so if they're stuck there like there's no way for them to get out and uh, not like uh, and uh, not all people pa- like um, uh, do a backup of their saves so if you're basically there like and there are some of these dungeons like some of the unused developer dungeons like some of them if you get in you can't get out without like using a save backup or anything so if these like get online like there are over like 400 or 300 like unused chalice dungeons but I think the ones like we were able to share with other players were basically less than 100 because all of the other ones if you get in them you get stuck so if we post the glyphs for them it's um like people can de- get stuck in there and basically like ruin their entire playthrough basically because they can't get out. And that's, and that's fascinating to me that you, that you guys went through that process of kind of vetting all of that stuff out was, that was, that was very uh, like, that was a decision that you, that you made early on in the process. I'm sure of like, okay, we're not going to do this until we realize that players, like we want players to see this. We want other people to see this, but we don't want to, uh, you know, ruin somebody's save file or ruin somebody's game. But if they see this, that was early on in the process that you said, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make that decision. Like when, like when we first like discovered the unused like bosses, like uh, like I remember that that moment, like how it began basically when me and Zuli were working on them. Like uh, we were uh, there was also a guy. I don't know if you like know the program. It's called uh, DS Mod. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like for viewing model rares. Uh, a guy named uh, Nix who. Uh, 
made that program. So he actually helped us, like, uh, he was working, like, on research with Dark Souls 3. So actually he helped us with the research uh, for Bloodborne to, like, view uh, what enemies and what map files are loaded into, like, each, basically each dungeon. So that was a great help when uh, to basically determine which dungeons had the unused bosses and the unused enemies and made, like, uh, teleporting because, uh, like, some of the unused dungeons, you can't reach the enemies unless you... Like change your coordinates using the save editor. So like the tool that Nix gave us basically gave us the exact coordinate where that enemy like exists. So we can just like change it in the save editor and we go like straight on that enemy. So oh, that means okay. it made things a lot easier for us. So when we found like the uh, like the great one beast and uh, the unused moon presence, this like I think the biggest two because they are bosses. Like the enemies are smaller stuff, but because these are like finished bosses basically. So like as soon as we found them, I was like super excited and uh, I showed it to Zuli and uh, like we were like uh, we uh, like it's dangerous basically. If we're stuck in there, we can't share it yet because we like uh, Zuli when she was experimenting early on before I got the files and we were like uh, viewing the unused dungeons. Like when she was changing the dungeons, she uh, she was able to share them. But uh, they were like a generated dungeons, so there was no problem with that. You ca- like you can you can escape them like using a lamp lamp or something. Mm-hmm. But these one didn't have lamps. That's the, that was the main problem in them. So if you get in, you can't get out because they were all developer developer created and not like meant for public consumption. Exactly, but like we found like a little loophole. Like uh, because some of the dungeons have. Um, like the level is cut off so you just keep falling and then you fall to your death and if you fall to your death it actually returns you to the hunter's dream and uh, like a lot of the uh, developer dungeons had that thing so these were the only ones that we like we could share so people can't get stuck in them so i'm a me personally i'm a huge souls fan obviously like i have this podcast like a, a lot of my time and energy is spent thinking about souls games and talking about souls games i got ridiculously excited way way back when when they started kind of data mining dark souls one and started coming up with like these crazy weird quests that have been cut out and all of this weird content like again oh my god you could use the the four king sword or oh you'd be able to invade uh what's his name from the east shiva from the east like there was a whole quest about the the chaos blade whatever um how excited were you when you first started kind of getting into this and you started finding all of this like crazy weird stuff in bloodborne that nobody had ever seen before. Like, are you kind of giddy with that stuff? Like, are you, cause I, I, if it was me, I'd be like, Holy shit, I've never seen this before. This is crazy. Like, especially, especially with Bloodborne, because it's been like three years since the game was released and it's been a PlayStation four exclusive. So we basically, it was been three years and, there was nothing about it. Like, let's say Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3. Like, you can say it's, like, the first month, and then people, like, begin digging in the files. But the problem with mm-hmm. Bloodborne is because, like, only PlayStation 4, the, so that took a long time. So when I got, like, my hands on the files, and I started digging in, and then, uh, like, I saw all of, basically, the uh, unused bosses, like, initially, just, like, viewing them and what it is. And there was, like, like 20 unused bosses and enemies. And I was like, I need to show this to the world. Nobody knows these <laughs> exist. <laughs> like, there was, like... Especially uh, there was the this one night I don't know if you saw him like the one who uh, who's like theoretically should be riding on that undead horse like it's like a golden knight with a spear yeah yeah which yeah looks like mm-hmm. super epic 
epic, basically. I saw this and I was like, are you sure these are the Bloodborne files, ID Damon? Like, you're not mistaking it with any other files? <laughs> so, yeah, like, viewing them for the first time was, like, super exciting. Like, And I need to show this to the world. Like, come on, I need to work on them. But, like, in the process of, uh, let's say, showcasing these models, especially because it's not PC, like, uh, like on the PC version, let's say, in Dark Souls 3, you can just, like, swap a couple of codes and you can spawn the unused enemies. But because Bloodborne, we have only the files. So we have to, uh, like, I have to load the models and load the textures and do like proper lighting and sometimes I have to do the skeletons and stuff so it's a very long process to do it for each enemy and boss and it's really time consuming so like I was and uh, like the problem with at that time is that I had to study for my finals exams and I basically like like worked on my videos like especially that like in December the month where like I uploaded all of the unused content for Bloodborne videos like I worked on YouTube more than I studied which and now I'm re- really <laughs> regretting to be honest <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> it can it can definitely eat up your life like once you start working on any kind of souls content like whether you're doing youtube videos or a podcast or lore videos or whatever it is like all of a sudden you look up and you're like oh wait i have a real life i have to go deal with like i need i have a, i have a girlfriend or i have a wife or i have a husband that's like waiting for me to go do other stuff i should probably go do that yeah i can't i just can't like sit and knowing that there's still like unused content i need to dig through like okay like i'm holding my book and i'm studying and just reading and then like Oh my god, there's an unused content. I may like saw just let's say a little bit of it, or I only saw the model, and then like no, I gotta cut like my studying and go see that model. And then when I see that model, I go see another model and like basically the day ends and I'm just viewing <laughs> the just the unused content. And then I'm like, oh my god, it's been five or six hours. What have I been doing? I should have been studying. <laughs> I'll, I do want to talk about the way that you kind of rolled this stuff out over the last few months because um it seemed like uh, the way that you presented this to the YouTube audience and to, to the rest of the world was almost at a trickle. Like, here's here's a model. Like, it, it seemed like you were kind of almost, I don't know if you were doing this on purpose or not. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, just kind of teasing people with stuff and, like, slowly but surely releasing this stuff as and, and showcasing this. Was there, a, was there a plan in your mind to do that stuff? Or were you like, okay, this is the first video that I've got. Like, this is the content I have for my first video. I'm going to release that. Like, what, what kind of, what, I guess, <laughs> I'm stumbling over my words. I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the thought process behind releasing this in kind of a sequence of, of videos? I wouldn't say purposely, but mm-hmm. uh, the thing is also, um, especially with the cut content, because there's usually no context for this stuff. Like, they're just basically models thrown in the files, so there's usually no context. So uh, most of the time, like, before I upload something, I actually like to research more into the files. Like, for example, like I find a model, and, like, somewhere, like, entirely different, let's say I find a sound file for that model, and then, like, in another completely place, I find maybe the code name for that thing. So I usually... Um, like try to research as much as possible about the, that enemy before working on it. But yeah, there was like, of course, there was some kind of, you know, there's like some teasing also because like showing everything at once. Also, I would think it would be like kind of underwhelming just to see like uh, everything at once, especially since we've been waiting basically three or four years now to see this content. Yeah. So you were you were kind of thinking uh, like, I want to I don't want to do everything at one time like i want i want to give people time to digest all of this because if i just if i throw everything at them at once it's just a lot of the smaller stuff will be overlooked for the bigger stuff maybe exactly yeah and uh, like it'll get messy especially like in um cussing some of the unused content because especially the unused content it 
uh, it's because it shows like sometimes it shows the let's say the process of making the game or how the game base was maybe like early on the development and stuff like that so and even like sometimes when i have videos i pick up like um, like specific t- stuff with together like i choose like, i want this boss with this boss to be in the same video for example interesting i'm kind of uh we've been talking a lot about like your work with the content stuff, but I'm kind of curious, like how did you start with these games? Like were you, have you always been a a souls fan back from demon souls, back from Kingsfield or shadow tower or anything like that? Like what, what made you get interested in the soul series to begin with? I'm assuming it was call of duty somehow. So I'm kind of curious how the, how it came across. Well, uh, actually you'd be surprised. I was actually like, one of the biggest haters of the Soul series. I don't know if you'll believe it, but I actually like thought it was the worst series ever. <laughs> Tell, oh, okay, and, well, now uh, we got to get into this. I'm ready. <laughs> what, 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 so, <laughs> what, what, give me the, give me the history. I, I got to know. So basically, uh, it was before Dark Souls Two was released. It was like at the end of Dark Souls One cycle, and I think like at that time, Dark Souls Two wasn't even announced, or it was like like just recently announced. And one of my like best friends at that time. Just kept nagging me to play Dark Souls. He was a like a huge fan of Dark Souls, and he always played it. And I was like, "What is this stupid game that you're playing? It looks stupid and it plays stupid." And so once, like, I went to his house and I played it, and I, I thought it was more stupid. I, like, I'm just saying it. I don't know. I just didn't like it. It wasn't my type of game, to be honest. Sure. So I was like, "Yeah." And uh, so he kept nagging on me to buy Dark Souls too. So like that, like fast forward a couple of months. And uh, he kept nagging me to buy Dark Souls 2. I'd actually told him, like, just buy it. And if you don't like it, I'll just give you the money you paid for it. So I was like, okay, I'll just try it. Typical <laughs> Souls, that, man. That was, <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that was the bargain for it, basically. So I said, like, why not? It's a free game, basically. So I'll just take it. If I don't like it, I'm, I'm not spending anything, basically. So, yeah, I bought Dark Souls 2, like, at the release. I, like, it was actually the first game I pre-ordered. So that, that was also a thing. Uh, so, yeah, I pre-ordered. And uh, like it was released, and I played it, and like slowly when I started playing the game, I slowly started like realizing what Dark Souls is. Like all I saw was videos from YouTube, uh, just and you know, gameplay and screenshots and stuff. So I didn't get, let's say, the um, the magic of the game. So when I played it, I realized that like slowly when I was playing, I realized that okay, this is a hard game, and I'm usually like I usually like hard games to be honest, and even. Uh, like uh, I'm a, you can say, like even on my PlayStation, like I love uh, like getting the platinum trophies for like super hard games. Like I just, I just like challenge in video games. Like Dark Souls Two was, I liked it very much. Like I, I liked it so much. Like I don't know if you remember in Dark Souls Two, there were uh, there was the mansion in Majula, the hub area, and there was these like uh, flames on the map that light up when you light the main bonfires. Oh yeah, there's that big map that I thought was going to be way more important in the main game than it actually went, ended up being. <laughs> I just I just wait for for this <laughs> for like what I did. So there was something that uh, there were the bonfire ascetic items, which when you use on like on a specific bonfire, it moves like a cycle forward. So you can make that area like NG plus, NG plus two, NG plus three, and stuff like that. Just that specific area. So when you use the ten bonfire ascetics on one of the bonfires, uh, one like the fire related to that on the map will turn blue. Like there, there is some significance to this. There has to be some significance to it. So I used it on all the bonfires and made all the flames blue, but nothing came out of it. So I said, 
let's try to get to ng plus 10 and see like if, <laughs> if something else changes and i don't know don't ask me how or just why i did it in like five days i completed like 11 playthroughs on the same character in dark souls 2 like Damn. I, did, I did i did like ng plus one and two and three all the way like i, I even finished ng plus 11 just like in case and the thing is, like, none of the flames actually turned blue. <laughs> so that was, I was, like, just looking at the map, like, after, like, 11 NG pluses, basically. And, like, what have I been doing with my life? So <laughs> it was, it was only, like, if you use the bonfire aesthetics, it didn't work with the cycles. So, like, it was a big disappointment for me, but... Like, I enjoyed every second of it. Like, I was this obsessed with Dark Souls 2 when it came out. Like, I became a fan real quick, and I was just obsessed with it. Um, um, that's fascinating to me, because uh, when I got into Dark Souls 1, and, I like, it took over my entire life. Like, that's literally the only video game I played for months and months and months. I, I got so hardcore into the PvP. I got I started doing, you know, tons and tons of builds like i probably had you know 30 something save 30 something characters at you know across that series maybe even more across different consoles and everything and uh i got really into like it took me a while but like by the end of it i got really into wanting to like test weird stuff out um like i I wanted to find out like maybe can karmic justice be triggered by poison damage or, or like you know just asking yourself questions about the game too and then trying to figure out how to answer those questions right like that was always fascinating to me that was what drew me to um illusory walls work or uh gibbed aka rick's work like when he started pulling out uh demon soul stuff and things like that uh like it's was that early on in your dark souls 2 like kind of when you first started playing the game that you saw this map and you were like, okay, I need to figure out how everything about this works. Or had you been into the game for a while? Like, did you go through the, like the normal story progression and then like, okay, here's this one thing I'm curious about. I'm going to go way, way in depth and try to figure out what it is. I think that's basically, I think that's a, uh, like a natural process if you get obsessed with Dark Souls. Like, I think everyone who gets obsessed, like begins, especially like in Dark Souls, because from software, you can say, uh, focused on the little details so sometimes you start focusing on little details that don't have any any meaning but you're just like okay this is uh, I, I just want to search on this like search online or like uh, a specific mechanic or a specific weapon or something and it's just like okay i'm obsessed with this game i'm gonna do it either way and uh, like I, I really love testing stuff like that whether it's like gameplay or just uh, like uh, digging into the files and stuff like that nice okay so it's it just comes from loving the game so much that you want to figure out every single little detail about it. <laughs> that, that's uh, and also like uh, you said that it might be related to Call of Duty. It's kind of related to Call of Duty, you know, because uh, <laughs> I'm like a, re- a huge, a huge like Call of Duty Zombies fan, and this, the good, like the big thing I like about Zombies is the story and. I don't want to say it's similar to Dark Souls because, like, I know many Dark Souls fans are just going to attack me about it. But, like... <laughs> that sound that you heard was a million people looking at their, uh, like, car radio or podcast player and going, excuse me? What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, the thing is, uh, uh, like, what they do, basically, is they hide, like, things in the little details, in audio codes, in just, like, normal stuff in the map or random stuff in the map. They hide details for it, so so that also, like, in addition to Dark Souls, like, they both helped each other to get me interested into kind of, into these kinds of stuff. So they both were, like, a big, let's say, uh, like, a big thing for me for actually, like, getting interested in the little details and stuff like that. Like, I like digging, especially into story stuff. I like just 
like three rising. I like creating stories, so I just like see all of the details and just create stories, see what works, what doesn't work, and just like create my own story. Like that's basically what the, the great thing about the Dark Souls lore is that like you have to fill in the blanks yourself, basically. How long? Uh, like we talked about, like you j- jumping into Dark Souls two. How long did it take you to start picking up those pieces and, and parts of the story? Because Dark Souls has such a unique way of storytelling. Like the games themselves, like a character hardly ever you know looks at you and makes a speech about what's happening in the game. You kind of have to pick it up through context clues or environmental storytelling or you know through the item descriptions. Did you pick up on that pretty immediately, or were you looking at other content creators in the community of like you know the NBs or the bodies of the world going like, oh okay, this is what this stuff all, all this stuff means? How, how did you kind of get I guess cued into the story. Like when I was playing, like specifically Dark Souls Two, like I had, let's say, like when I like first began at Dark Souls Two and got into it, like I asked my friend to like tell me, let's say the the main story of Dark Souls One and stuff like that, because he watched like videos of uh, Epic Name Bro and Vatividia and stuff like that. So I told him to do like explain the main story to me so I can link it with Dark Souls Two. And the problem with Dark Souls Two is that it kind of you can say strayed off the main story of Dark Souls One in a way. So it was really hard for me to like link those stuff together. So I had to watch them like uh, a lot of videos and read like a lot of stuff on Reddit and stuff like that to be able to link these stuff together. But it was like a very enjoyable process. Uh, like I love reading theories. I love like reading people speculating on stuff like that. And like the Dark Souls community, that's the best thing about it. It's basically like people who love the lore just theorize on stuff, even if it's crazy stuff. But it's like great to think about. That's, yeah. like that's what i love about yeah. it. <laughs> like our mutual friend sinclair give her a shout out for for hooking us up but like all of the crazy stuff she comes up with it's just lore like she just she just loves creating stuff and having crazy ideas and see if it can fit in which i think is fantastic like that's those are yeah, kind exactly. of yeah, it shows it shows the love for the game like it shows how much dedication people give to that game absolutely yeah like that's the fun stuff about having a game that isn't necessarily a hundred percent explained is, is being able to create those own stories for yourself. Um, I, I have a friend that does a, uh, a podcast called the pretenders guild where, um, him and a, and a friend of his do, uh, like they play through role-playing games and the podcast is not talking about those games, but it's talking about the stories they create in those games. And I feel like dark souls has always been good for that. Like if I can start a game of dark souls, one dark souls, two bloodborne, whatever, and I can kind of pretend to be somebody throughout it. And especially with the weird interactions you have with the NPCs, that it's not necessarily like positive that you're talking to these people. You can tell your own story through it. And that's, that's one of the reasons I think that it's such a, a resonant game with everybody that's played it. Like that's the reason that we have so many YouTube channels, so many tumblers, so many, <laughs> so much content, so many streamers, all of that <laughs> stuff just sprung up around it. Right. Oh, like also uh, like exactly like just what you said like um like the thing about it is uh, well, that's what makes you can say dark souls different than other games because like other games just you can say the story in your face and like okay this is the story this is everything about the story and that's what you need to know basically about it but no like the good thing about dark souls is like if you're really dedicated you can say and you really love the game you just 
like as you said you like you feel like you are inside the game itself and just starting to create your own scenarios like depending on what you're doing and depending on the npc and stuff like that so and that's what makes it different like than any other games or let's say other like kind of let's say like media you can say like movies or like uh, series and stuff like that like that's what make also like game video games in general is that it can make you you can say like live through the thing rather than just watching it or like enjoying it it makes you live through it and enjoy it yeah it makes you i think it it, it creates that bonding between your, yourself and a and a and an external work right like and it it's such a powerful thing when media can be multiple things to multiple people. Like I've talked to conservatively 120 people on this podcast so far. And I think I've, I think I've said this publicly. If I've not, people are going to be uh, probably going to laugh at me. But like when I started this podcast, I thought like, okay, I've got maybe 50 of these before it's going to start repeating over and over again. Like everyone's going to be like, Oh, I started playing dark souls one. I went into the graveyard, the skeletons killed me. And then I, I beat the game and I had so much of a good time with it thinking like the stories are going to always be the same. And now here we are like 120 episodes in and they're still like unique and interesting and good. Right. Like that's something magical to the soul <laughs> series that I think is yeah, like, even me, like uh, the story you just said, like about the going to the grave, like the, uh, the grave and the like firelink shrine first, rather than going to the undead burg and being killed the skeletons. Like uh, it happened. I think it happens basically to everybody who played dark souls. But the thing is like, that's not the only thing. Like there's, like a lot of stuff and that's also like talks about the game on how big is it and how like uh, like the world is connected and all of these stuff so it's not just let's say like one memorable moment or two memorable uh, like moments because like that happens a lot out of games like you play through the entire game and there's like only one memorable moment but like dark souls the experience it's like the experience of you playing the game itself is just one huge memory for you like dying <laughs> and dying over again and enjoying it and like meeting the bosses and that like the the time where you spend basically like a week on a bus and then finally beating it like that feeling like can't be replicated in any other game so like the experience itself that's what i think it does differently is that the experience itself like makes it different it, it makes like every moment enjoyable not just like one or two moments so talking about that experience i'm curious uh obviously we were playing dark souls 2 when it was relatively new but then uh bloodborne scholar of the first sin uh, Dark Souls Three came out, and you were, you know, d- pulling out some of this content, pulling out a lot of this, like a lot of the secrets for these games. When you're playing these games for the first time, are you there solely for the experience? In other words, are you are you going through playing in as a as just a as a normal game, or are you are you kind of looking to find those uh, corners and cracks that you could explore? You know. After the fact, like when, what, how does, how does doing all of the technical stuff and tearing these games apart affect your actual playthroughs of this game? Well, uh, like it kind of affects it, like affects it like negatively in a way, I think, because like when I played the game, like, like when specifically when Dark Souls 3 was released, like I was just like waiting for the game to come out just to search for cut content. But like the good thing, I think uh, Dark Souls 3 was released like two weeks or three weeks before, like the Japanese version was released like three weeks before the English version. So I actually bought it on the PS4 and that was good because I can't search through PS4 files. So that was uh, actually a very helping thing for me <laughs> that I couldn't dig inside anything. So I played the game normally like everyone else. <laughs> and when it came on the PC, I actually started searching. So yeah, like, like I know many people hate it from software or Bandai for releasing it early but for me it was a blessing to be honest because it didn't ruin the experience for me so 
<laughs> that's yeah, fascinating. That's, that's uh like that's that's definitely the culture of, of video games right now, right? Of like I don't want to spoil this for myself, but you know if you get the opportunity to play it the very first thing before anybody played it th- th- before there's a Wikipedia page, it's so much more interesting than it is if you have that have that fallback on it basically. Like this, like also uh, when the Ring City was released, I actually got an early copy of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, uh, did you play the Ring City or? Uh, I did. Yeah. This uh, like the your, the show your humanity puzzle. Like you have when you have to use the uh, like chameleon or like, transform outside and then go walk to it to like it unlocks a special like a secret ladder there. I was playing it like two days before the release mm-hmm. and uh, there was no no one talking about like it wasn't allowed for people to talk about like how to solve that puzzle. So like I, I like, when I reached that area, I actually spent the entire two days just trying to figure out that puzzle because like if it was released and I was playing it normally and like people have been talking about it in the Wikipedia and all of this stuff, I would have just like like tried for one hour and then gone to google and just like how to solve this puzzle <laughs> but like no the, like the good thing that there was nobody talking about it so it actually made me just keep trying and keep trying and i actually spent like the entire two days just like trying to figure out what showing your humanity is and like i used the guidance miracle just to check like and there was actually a message in front of it i think it was like used uh, like uh, transform or chameleon and stuff like that and i kept transforming inside and like nothing is happening and i thought it was glitched at the moment and i was tempted to use like cheat engine to like cheat my way into it but i said no like i'm i'm gonna keep the experience real <laughs> and like i was playing link and then like by mistake i transformed outside and i was like oh my god this is the humanity from dark souls oh humanity okay let's go and try that and it worked and, like i was that was the happiest moment in my life like i was super super excited but like i, I solved it like solving it yourself rather than reading it just makes the achievement much more like uh, much more of an achievement you can say <laughs> yeah like actually figuring it out versus um going the security uh, going around it right like going through a cheat engine situation is it makes it much more satisfactory satisfactory i'm sure exactly yeah. or just reading it online like the puzzles and stuff so <laughs> yeah it, it felt good it felt good <laughs> so. what um like right now as you're because right now we're in kind of a, a weird position with souls games like Obviously, From Software has something coming out soon. They haven't really announced what it is. We're about to get a Dark Souls One remaster. Um, what are you kind of focusing on with the Souls games? Are you? Do you feel like you you have that you and the community have mined everything out of Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three that that's that's worth showing? Or are you just getting started? Like where? What what are you doing right now as far as Souls games? Are you just having a fun time playing them? Or are you are you still pulling stuff out? Well, like like this like. Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3, like you can say 90% or like 95% of the unused content like I've like I've showed on my channel or like other like people have shown. So it's like if there is anything left in the files, it's going to be very little stuff, like maybe like an unused mechanic, maybe, or unused like small text or something. But like the major stuff like bosses, enemies, weapons, and armors, like uh, they've already been covered, like in both Dark Souls 3 and in Bloodborne. Okay. So you're you're, you're yeah, pretty so, you're, you're feeling pretty content with like you've brought most of the major things out of those games. It's uh, like uh, because mining the games like when you specifically like speci- especially when you have the files like you can see the files so like you have the characters folder like there's go- isn't going to be any other character outside of that folder so like just all of the characters there they're like all of the characters in the game so there's nothing outside of that so just like viewing all of them and it actually like when I first got the files it was a really like hard process just documenting everything like loading each boss on its own and just writing down like uh, 
the idea of it and that's the enemy like the idea of it that's the enemy and it was a really long process but uh, it was like worth it because right now i can just uh, when i want to change something or check something real quick i just have my documentation and just like uh, okay like this id for this enemy okay i can just load it that's the uh that's the hardest part of this stuff to me to understand is the amount of patience that it takes to go through because just having a very limited knowledge of this, like, you know, just seeing screenshots that are on Twitter and, and like of the development tools and of the things that you guys are using to pull all this information out. It's, it's very much like, let's change one character and then see what happens and then write that down and let's change it again. And then write down what happened. Like it's the documentation and the patience for it seems like the requirement of that patience seems crazy to me. Like I don't, I, it's as interesting as it is to me. Like I, I respect you all so much for being able to sit there and like actually do the work because it would probably drive me crazy. <laughs> well, I think I think I got used to it, really. Like, uh, like with Dark Souls two and Dark Souls three, and like now Bloodborne, I think I'm just used to it. Like, uh, like that's that's basically my thing. That's what I do. Like when I'm free, like when I have free time, I just go like like find uh, try to find stuff in Bloodborne or Dark Souls three. Like I even like last week, I just like downloaded Demon Souls and I started digging like back into Demon Souls because I think like Demon Souls was let's say the uh, like least game that was data mined or like the things that were data mined specifically at that time when I was checking like stuff online, there were a lot of, let's say wrong stuff, like uh, things like a name for an enemy they've given, which doesn't have anything to do with it and stuff like that. So uh, and I, I think like it's understandable because at that time, like when Demon Souls was mined, there wasn't, you can say like, many people interested in digging the files. So there wasn't many people who like knew the file formats and knew how the engine works and stuff like that. So like I revisited Demon Soul just to check like this stuff, uh, like some of the unused enemies and seeing like the right names for them. And like I have, I think I'll, I'm just going to like release something, maybe, I don't know, a Reddit post or something. Just let's say like, um, like, uh, writing down the right stuff basically like the things that have been wrong just writing them like back right because there are a lot of stuff there were actually like i was surprised i think last year like i found new enemies in demon souls that no one has seen like since demon Souls was released from like i think 2009 and there were like these unused enemies that like nobody has talked about like guys it's been nine years <laughs> are you sure nobody has seen this like i spent like the entire day before up like starting to work on the video just searching like are you sure nobody has talked about these? And yeah, like when I checked, it was like nobody has talked about these. So I was like super excited to upload it because Demon Souls is a very old game. Like you, you would think that it was fully data mined, but then like you think again, there's like no, there's still things in there. Are you uh, are are you with the knowledge that you have as far as like data mining these games? Do you have an interest in actually creating games yourself? Like that seems like a natural. Um, I, I don't know that not collusion. That's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, but it seems like a, like a, a natural partnering of, Hey, I'm, I'm looking through all of this stuff and I want to see how it fits in together. So I can also make my own games. Is that something you're interested in at all? Or are you just strictly here to play video games and to also like try to pull out information from them? Like I would be like very interested maybe in the future to create a game and stuff, because uh, as I said, like I played, like a lot of games like a lot of games so just seeing different games and and specifically like when i see uh dark souls and the inner engine and like and the entire soul series and how they work and the files and all of these stuff it kind of makes me excited to to see like how the process of making these like we have the files ready and like everything is compiled and everything so it would be very like interesting for me interesting for me to see 
how this stuff is being done. Like, it's not an easy process. Of course, there's like huge companies that are doing this, but I really want to see how they are, when they're uh, drawing concept arts for the characters and animating them and creating the models and creating map files, the scripts and everything. So uh, specifically when I started digging in the Dark Souls files, I got interested on the process of making games. So yeah, I'm very interested in creating video games, hopefully in the future. <laughs> when you look at this stuff, um, like when you go back to Demon Souls, I remember a lot of the stuff that came out of Demon Souls as far as cut content was going, going it was concerned. Um, like, and I've seen a lot of this with Bloodborne as well. It almost seems like stuff from a different game. It almost, like I've seen some stuff from the Bloodborne cut content that was obviously like, early prototypes for dark souls three stuff. Like it's, it's kind of fascinating. Do, do you draw any insight from that? Or do you think that it's just prototyping and like, it's the, the act of development that they, they, they create this stuff, they put it in there and, and they just hide it from the, the actual game itself. Well, the thing is about uh, bloodborne specifically is, uh, uh, I don't know by mistake, I think uh, from software left some of the very early development script files inside of the bloodborne files. Really? These, uh, it, uh, like they had a lot of impressions that actually Bloodborne was uh, some kind of Demon Souls sequel. Like if you read the scripts, they're all in Japanese, of course. So I had my, my good friend, uh, my good friend uh, Loki, translating them for me. And when you read them, you immediately get the impression that uh, it's actually a Demon Souls sequel. Like very, very early on. Now the story of the game is completely different. Like like completely different. Like it was. Um, like you and your friend and like from the script you can know that that friend's name is Lawrence actually so Lawrence wasn't like the head of the church or anything at that's at, at very early on and you both go to this blood minister in Yarnum to uh, to uh, get a blood transfusion and seek the sage uh, the blood of a sage I think that's what uh, pale blood is now for bloodborne but it was actually this uh, blood of a sage and there were actually uh, unused quotes uh, like relating to that part of the story and what makes it like more seamlessly to be, um, the, as I said, a Demon Soul sequel is a lot of the NPCs from that, uh, like from those uh, early development files. They all say basically Umbasa, which is mm-hmm. a direct reference to Demon Souls. So that was the big thing. And other like references, you can say you can get the lead that it was kind of Demon Souls. So I think uh, these, uh, you can say, I think that like the most people that focused on were the enemies that have shields because they don't you can say fits in Bloodborne. So I believe it was like these things, they were very early on in development when uh, Bloodborne was actually a Demon's Soul sequel. That's what I think about it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, the official stance of this podcast is that the true Dark Souls trilogy is uh, Demon's Souls, Dark Souls 1, and then Bloodborne. Like that to me encompasses like the history, like ignoring Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 to an extent, um, even though... It, it it feels like those are very worthy games. I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from those, but it seems like D- Demons Dark to Bloodborne is a is a pretty clear transition. It's a pretty clear evolutionary history, um, and it seems like the other ones are kind of side bits off of that. Like seeing the the Demon Souls Knight and the Chalice Dungeons and things like that. Like it was fascinating to me because you just really wonder like how much of this was there at the very start, and then how much of it like got cut out. And I think that's the best part of researching all of the cut content stuff that you and the rest of the community are doing is seeing what is there provides such an illumination of the thought process to create something which a lot of times you just don't get from video games especially something from from software which a lot like the only insight that we were really given are you know various interviews on 
in the gaming press or, you know, the design works books, which go into a little bit more depth, but doesn't really answer the kind of questions that I think a lot of the community wants, which are really, really detailed questions. I always make a joke of, uh, like if I ever had the opportunity to interview Miyazaki, I would never ask him like, Oh, uh, you know, what's your influences or whatever. I'd be like, so what was the decision? What led to the decision that you could still, you know, proc uh, status effects after you die in Dark Souls 1. Like, I'd ask some real dumb shit. <laughs> but that's the fascinating... Like, why, why would you even put that? <laughs> exactly. Like, I would ask some really dumb stuff, but that's that's, that's the kind of things that the, the cut content community, like, kind of answers. Like, we, you get to see where some of that stuff came from, and you get to kind of guess where those decisions come from, which I think is so fascinating. Like, that's, that's the thing that you guys give back to us that I think is, is so good. And uh, like, and specifically knowing the, how the game was uh, at the beginning before well, like, we got the final version in terms of lore and all of this stuff, it's really interesting to see how they basically established the story and then how it changed, like how it changed over time. Like it's interesting just to think about the process, and because like from software always always leaves unused content, so it's in every game basically unused content. Like I I don't know maybe Kingsfield and all of the other games still have unused content. I might be checking them out. I don't know. <laughs> Look, like they always. <laughs> I am here for a Shadow Tower and uh, uh, Kingsfield cut content YouTube channel. I am ready for it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm I'm here for that. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually like, uh, because they always left unused content, I was thinking, the problem is that I didn't play them throughoutly. Like, Dark Souls, uh, I played, the, like, all of the Souls series, basically. I've played them a lot, so I know, like, when I see something, if that's unused content or not. Like, like if we, like, when I'm just viewing them and stuff. So I just know that this, I haven't seen, that this thing isn't in the game. So it's hard to know, like, let's say in Kingsfield or Shadow Tower without actually playing the games throughoutly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem is that they're, you can say... Like very old now. It's very hard. Like with all of the recent, let's say, like first-person games we're getting now. So it's very hard to just come back to these old games and play them normally. It's it feels weird. <laughs> oh, I tried playing the uh, the Shadow Tower games on a like an emulator, and uh, for whatever reason, the emulator that I have, I don't know if you if you've ever played those. Like you look up and down with the shoulder buttons, like your R two and L two, which is the worst way to look around in a game. <laughs> that I've ever heard seen. But for whatever reason, if, if I hit the L2 button or the R2 button, I would look all of the way up and I couldn't make it come back down or couldn't make it come back up again. So I would just be looking constantly up and down, which makes those games very difficult, as you might imagine. So, yeah. Um, I'm curious what, like, as, as since we've got From Software announcing, like, oh, hey, we're probably going to come out with some more stuff. As a obviously a big fan of the series, what are you looking forward to from from software next like what kind of game do you want to see them next see them make next is it a bloodborne 2 is it a demon souls 2 is it a dark souls 5 6 or 7 like what are you what are you kind of looking forward to from the from the from the developer like i really really want the demon souls remaster or remake I really want that. <laughs> like, it's because uh, if you know the uh, Shadow of the Colossus remaster is coming out, I think in two days now, mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of Shadow of the Colossus, and I've played it on PlayStation Two and PlayStation Three. So now uh, they released the videos comparing the graphics of the PlayStation Two versus the PlayStation uh, uh, Four version, and it's more of a remake. You can say the like, the graphics and everything's just so amazing in it. So I'm just imagining like if they did the same thing to Demon Souls, how amazing it would. Would be because Demon Souls, like to me, uh, like Demon Souls and Bloodborne are my top Souls games. Like they're my favorite. Like Bloodborne and Demon Souls, they they stand at the same spot. You can say as my 
uh, favorite Souls games of all time. I really love both of them, specifically Demon Souls, because it's really old, but you can see the vision of Miyazaki when creating that world. It's just fascinating. Yeah, the game had a lot of glitches and stuff like that, but the game is just amazing. And I would love to see it remastered or remade or because they're closing the servers also like at the end of this month. So everyone is hoping that when they close the servers, they're going to be announcing the remaster, but the dream <laughs> is dead with Dark Souls remastered now. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. But, but I would still have hope. I don't know. I really wish they would do it. Like Maybe after, maybe if Dark Souls 1 remasters, uh, like the remaster sells out like quite good, maybe they'll like uh, be encouraged to make a Demon Souls remaster also. I'm hoping. I really wanted to see it happen. Or maybe like uh, I, I don't know if I'm I want a Bloodborne two or Demon Souls two because the thing is that kind of I doesn't let's say I don't want them to make something like that. It's because I feel that Dark Souls two and Dark Souls three like we had the let's say the lore of Dark Souls one and the world of let's say Lordran and all of this stuff established in Dark Souls one. So uh, when they released Dark Souls two and Dark Souls three, I feel like that the lore got kind of messed up. You can say. Like especially in Dark Souls 3, like there was some stuff that didn't link up well, and it feels like the story became, let's say, too big to control and to make it fit together, or like all, like all of it together. But in Bloodborne, it's because it's a separate game, and Demon Souls is a separate game, so you're basically just fixed in the setting of that game. So if they release Bloodborne 2 or Demon Souls 2, I feel like they might kind of mess up the story in that way and it's it's already great as it is so i'm not sure if they release a sequel for it it's gonna be better or worse for the story yeah that's always the danger is you know at risking corrupting the previous games uh dark souls 3 like the story when i think about it uh i've said this before on the podcast like dark souls 1 is my was my first souls game it's the one that i adore the most it's the one that i've played the most it's the one that i like get into the most and the story of that game to me is a complete story. And I treat kind of Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 like fan fiction almost. Like, yeah, those are those are good stories. But, like, I don't necessarily need to... Because I feel like Dark Souls 3 almost damages the original story of Dark Souls 1 in some ways um, with things that I don't like. And that's it's a subjective opinion. But I just I just don't even want to think about it when I come to the, ter- the story of Dark Souls 1. And I feel like that's the same thing that a Bloodborne 2 or a Demon Souls would do. Like, it would be... It would make things... Like, it wouldn't add... It wouldn't be... It wouldn't add anything to the story right like it would almost take stuff away if they didn't do it right and that's the that's the concern is because i mean from software is not really great with sequels <laughs> like they're really way better with, <laughs> with new <laughs> with ip just original games yeah yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah uh well man thank you so much for 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 coming on today i, I really appreciate it uh i I, I just I, I've been following all of this content stuff and like following it on the community, following on Twitter and YouTube and everything. And I just I can't thank y'all enough for pulling all this stuff out of like some of my favorite games. And it's been so fascinating to watch. So I really appreciate you spending the time with me this this evening and uh, and talking with me. And also thank you for inviting me to uh, to be on this podcast. It's like it's been super fun. Really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been an absolute blast. I love. Um, I've had a bunch of. I say a bunch. I've had like a lot of technical souls people, and it's one of my favorite topics. Is is people in the as my listeners will know, uh, like getting in these games and tearing them apart, figuring out what makes them tick is some of my some of my favorite shit in the world. So thank you again for for kind of talking about it and talking about your process here. I really appreciate it. Where can you be found on the internet if people want to go seek out your stuff? That's probably ridiculous because you have like fifty thousand five hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. So I'm sure people know where you are. But where, where can so be found? 40, 000, 40, 000. <laughs> Where, where can you be found yeah. if, if uh, people want to find you? 
most active thing is uh, my YouTube channel, which is uh, Sanad SK. So you can just find basically all of my cut content videos and all of the content I upload basically on my channel. And I also like have my, on my Twitter, which is uh, Sanad SK YouTube. And I've just put some kind of, let's say, um, like when I'm working sometimes, I put some like uh, little tease pictures, you can say, or some like little stuff that, let's say, don't deserve an entire video to upload. I just put them on Twitter. So like the little stuff, like maybe a line of dialogue or like a picture or some stuff like that. I just put them on Twitter because it's not worth uploading an entire video just for a picture. So I just put them on Twitter. Nice. Well, thank you again for guesting, man. I really appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me here. It's it's been really good. I really enjoyed it. It's been super fun. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Uh, that has links to all of the episodes, all of the show notes, all of the social media networks. Basically, everything to do with Don't Give Up Skeleton is there on that site. I really want to say thank you to the patrons at patreon.com slash don't give up skeleton. Y'all are extremely nice for supporting the podcast. Uh, thank you also to the people that are sending me comments and reviews uh, of on iTunes because that's extremely appreciated. And it's just really, really nice to see that you guys are enjoying it. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, remember... Don't give up, skeleton. And we're good. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's been very good, really. I really enjoyed it. This was awesome. Thank you so much, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. I think we could probably do like a four-hour podcast with this. I try to keep it. We're just talking. Like- <laughs>